Well, we're, Oops, it's going to be <laughs> bourbon, so yeah, it's appropriate. Yeah. You went through the trouble of bringing those. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Thank you much. Are they, are they, uh, oh, they're all different. It is. Oh, okay. oh, nice. <laughs> Cask X and 15. Oh, I know he sent you the 15 stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dropped off. We, we also got 15 stars. <laughs> it was good. Oh. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kentucky Commons Radio Hour. I'm Michael Moeller in Louisville, Kentucky, joined by David Satterley. Hello. John Renane. Hello. And Sarah Havens, the barbell. How's it going? Good, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. You've uh, you have your your blog, the Barbell, where you kind of discover like the you've been doing that for for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Since 2006, I believe. That's awesome. And you, it's kind of the nightlife of Louisville. That's yeah. what you cover. Uh, yeah. But in addition to that, you've done a whole lot of things over the years. Uh, you're, a, a, I'm going to say, a beverage journalist. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. You've written for publications, both locally here in Louisville, like Leo Weekly and Insider Louisville when Insider Louisville was a thing. Uh, but then also nationally, Bourbon Plus, uh, Alcohol Professor, a uh, bunch of national pubs mm-hmm. focusing on the beverage world. Yes. Uh, mostly predominantly bourbon. Uh, but, you know, I'll try anything. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, you're also the director of whiskey for Cask X, I yes. believe. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so before we uh, talk about all of those things, mm-hmm. um, we usually open up the show with uh, a beer. But this time we're actually going to open it up with a bourbon um, because we just wanted to share a bourbon with you as well. <laughs> okay, nice. Uh, and it's David. kind of a special bourbon. Oh, it is. Wow. David, tell us about this uh, this bourbon. Um, so sometimes there's a note. There's a special a note. bourbon with a special story. Wow. There's a story. Um, you know, some some people refer to like a lucky listener. Um, we're like lucky host. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I told I told a very uh, unfortunate story about my own personal bourbon collection. Um, I lost uh, around the ballpark of maybe thirty five hundred dollars in collectible bourbon to a uh, very presumptuous airbnb guest allegedly allegedly Allegedly. (laughs) yeah so did still in litigation did it so (laughs) in a true capitalist uh mindset i decided to airbnb my house for derby yeah um but you know in a in a realistic way i tried to rent it out a couple months in advance to get Mm -hmm. a couple reviews and get things rolling um had a couple different places i could stay everyone was very amenable because Mm -hmm. i was also buying their food and whatnot (laughs) so um like any good kentuckian i had a lot of bourbon in my house and i offered (laughs) offered uh you know several very like shelf bottles that were just kind of uh replaceable if you will Uh um to the guests and and most of them were from out of town so it's a hey you know if you're here if you're just hanging out if you're gonna have a drink before you go out right feel free to crack into this um but also don't touch anything in the cabinet because the cabinet is where the cabinet stuff is mm-hmm. and we don't want you to go in the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, had several successful bookings. But um, you didn't lock it? Yeah, well, <laughs> but they did go in the cabinet. Oh. They did the serpent uh, go slithered the down and said, you know, that, that stuff in the cabinet's probably the no. good stuff. They're trying to hide it from you. Yeah, so the first booking I took for a week, which was terrifying because, you know, you just pack up your stuff and leave for wow. a week. And it's not like the fun kind of vacation. It's like, I'm going to make uh, $1,800, but also that's my house. Uh, so right. uh, did that and then came home to what was uh, a half of a uh, MSD trash can full of bourbon. Oh, my <laughs> so, God. So I told this story uh, at one point in time, and then we received this bottle of Peerless. From one yeah. of our anonymous Patreons. Our anonymous so whoever Patreons. it was, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> wow. But it had a little note attached to it. There's a little note. It says, to David Satterley, that's me. Uh, sorry for your loss, dot, dot, dot. Here's something to help restock your bourbon cellar. A Patreon fan. So thank Aww. you, a Patreon fan. And it is a very nice bottle of uh, the Small Batch Peerless. Um, it's the inaugural release. Exactly, Ooh, yeah, yeah. The straight bourbon whiskey, what is it, 54.9 proof. And that's, I guess, the little batch number down there or whatever. That so. was the the first bottle of yeah. Peerless that they released to the public. Yeah, which very is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So we've been saving it for a special occasion. We thought this would be a good time <laughs> wow. to crack it and uh, give it a try. It smells great. Gosh. We'll do little nips of this for everybody here. I, I've always really enjoyed what Peerless oh, is. Yeah. And it's just a good good tour. Um, 
Amy Healy is still there, presumably. So shout out to Amy Healy. Um, Great tour. Uh, they've actually started it to where they're doing kind of like drop-in tours. So I think it's every 15 or 30 minutes you can stop in and just hop on a tour. It's a little bit abbreviated, but you still go into a tasting room, do that. Um, it's a little shorter and I think a little cheaper too. And for everybody listening at home, if you want to support the show, you don't have to buy David Satterley an expensive bottle of bourbon. You can. Yes, yes you, you can. You can yes, if you, you want. Um, but uh, yeah, if you guys are one of the ones supporting us on Patreon, thank you very much. And if you're not, uh, feel free to explore that. Or better yet, uh, just give us a like, give us a review, or share uh, an episode on your social media. That helps more than you guys know. And thanks to everybody who's been doing that so far. Cheers, Sarah. Cheers. Thanks for coming Cheers. Yeah. Thank you so much. So as uh, as we're sipping this, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how exactly you just got, got into the current you know situations and roles that you're finding sure. yourself in. Um, first, I want to know some names of these bottles that they got into. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, you're, ma- you're making him relive his trauma. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, normally we pay for John's therapy yeah. with the proceeds of the show, but it might be mine this week. Um, I lost a uh, Elmer T. Lee that was signed uh, oh, uh, by Wheatley, not by um, Blinking. Uh, Harlan. <clears throat> Harlan, yeah. yes. Uh, I lost, oh, geez, I've, I've blocked this out of my memory for so long. <laughs> um, several bottles of Stag Jr. Um, Elijah Kirk barrel proof. Um, yeah, they 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 made out. Yeah, unknown <laughs> number of Blantons. Uh, Eagle Rare Eagle Rare single barrel, which is like I love that. It's just, right. It used to be really easy to get, so I had a fair amount of it. Um, and they drank all of that in one. So, I guess so, they were there so. A that week. was my okay. challenge. Was like, how did you get yeah, through it was a lot. fourteen <laughs> bottles of bourbon? Right. And th- my only. Well, I know they had a party, so oh, okay. yeah, fuck you, Airbnb, for not reimbursing <laughs> anything. Because I had, she admitted to all of it, so wow. So, but the the other theory that I have is that she was from California, and they might have taken it and smuggled it out. Oh, know? okay. But I don't know what value it would be without the bottle. They left all the bottles in the trash. So, oh, yeah. Wait, so you think they, they just took the liquid? I think they drank it. Yeah, they, <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they yeah. drank 100% it. I don't know. Well, okay, <laughs> or they just, or they just were just like, oh, we don't like this, and then just poured it down the yeah. drain. I actually now remember that. Made, was, made, uh, a, made a punch out of it. Maybe. That is, yeah. Oh, yeah. They made some jungle juice out yeah, of it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't want to talk about it. Stuff. It got mixed with like Kool Aid packets. And, yeah. like, just, it was yeah. just oh, it's bourbon a, it's, and it's Cokes. what the kids are calling Borgs now, I guess. Oh. Pour some Everclear in there. Yeah. Oh. Pour, it hurts on fruit. so many different levels. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a ton of high dollar, super rare, but for having collected for seven or eight years when yeah. you didn't have to do all the standing in line lottery nonsense mm-hmm. and you just kind of went to the same liquor store every day. Right. Not every day. <laughs> God, that sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, frequented. It's, this isn't COVID. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like they, they were irreplaceable for me to like, I'm not going to take the effort to go do that again. So yeah. that that sucked. Um, and now I'm just thinking, about them making like bourbon and coke with them and that makes yeah. me sad <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> yeah uh but yeah if uh you have cabinets lock them yeah. uh even if you don't have airbnb <laughs> yeah just lock lock your shit up yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> well, sorry about that <laughs> are you <laughs> <laughs> but the peerless is really good so yeah. small yeah, compensation yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's is, a it's a hot one this is yeah. hot is it? it's a hot boy mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's got some uh whatever whatever they call that some some heat some jump the nose on that. Yeah. So, I like it a lot. Mm. Admit- so, admittedly, not a uh, whiskey taster. So, like, this, I like it, but I, I can't really, like, put a nose on why. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so, how oh. did you get involved in, <laughs> how in did all I... this world? Um, I guess just, just because I started the barbell column when I was at Leo. Like in 2006. And you were already writing at that point? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I got, I right out of college, I got the job as assistant managing editor and um, just kind of laid low and learned kind of, kind of the ropes and everything. And then, you know, I, I was 23 at the time when I started there and, you know, I, I loved Louisville because it was cheap and the bars are open till four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was single and, you know, my best friend was in town and, you know, we were going out all the time. Um, so I 
you know, I would come back on Mondays and have all these crazy stories of like, oh, you know, they always started at the back door, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's this dude that goes around with like beef jerky. Yeah. With. Yeah. Shout yeah. out Rusty. <laughs> um, so anyway, so uh, at the time, I think it was um, my editor was Carrie Stemley and Stephen George. And anyway, they were like, why don't you put this into a column? Because, you know, we need to give you something else to do. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of how the barbell was born. And I wrote the column for Leo and until I left there, I think in 2013, 12 or 13. And then I took it over to Insider Louisville okay. uh, for five years when I was there. And then that folded. <laughs> and then um, I kind of just, I had, I've had a website kind of all along. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of moved it there. And, and then Food and Dining Magazine here locally, yeah. they picked it up. So um, I have to tame it down a little for them. <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah, it still still runs quarterly. And, and in, I still have my website, so I'll throw up things every now and then when I have time. And mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, oh, I guess how, how I got into bourbon. Yeah. I guess, so while I was writing the column, it was kind of when the bourbon boom kind of started he- happening here in town, like late 2006, 7, 8, 9. Yeah. And I would, be, I would be the one on staff that would get invited to the, all the distilleries when they had expansion projects new distilleries new releases so i would always kind of cover that and in college i never touched bourbon i thought that's what cowboys drank (laughs) i was gonna actually bring up that point because we we take it for granted these days that bourbon is you know it's almost synonymous with Mm -hmm. louisville and you know as it well should be in kentucky at large um but you know back in the day it was just kind of another thing sitting on the shelf and a lot of times it was like you know the cheaper brands or the stuff you'd see more often. And there wasn't this entire, there certainly was this culture around it, but mm-hmm. it was not blown up like it is today. No, yeah. So you was... were, you were kind of documenting that transition. Yeah, Do you yeah. have any kind of like memorable moments when you're like, Oh, something's going on here. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember my first distillery tour was when it kind of clicked. I went to maker's mark and um, I didn't, and I just always thought bourbon was too hot or, you know, there, there was no flavor in bourbon. It's mm-hmm. just something you shot. And then when I took the tour and you learned about the charred barrels and the flavor and when it goes in, it's completely clear mm-hmm. and then, you know, it comes out and all with all this flavor and color. And, um, it kind of something just clicked inside of my head. And then I, you know, just getting invited on um, hearing master distillers speak all the time and, you know, something's going to sink in every now and then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I so. always enjoyed the story with uh, Rob Sr. talk or. Mm, no, that's not right. Uh, but like the the baking the, the bread story of like how they did first were like tweaking around with the recipes for Maker's Mark. They're just oh, like, yeah. okay, let's make the bread first out of the grain bill to see if we like the bread. Yeah. And then go from there. Yeah. And yeah. that that just emphasizes like, yeah, there's flavor in whiskey. It's the same. It's grain. Mm-hmm. And it's good. Right. <laughs> it's sweet. <laughs> grain and yeast and, you know. Yeah. So... I think the show Mad Men helped bourbon blow up too. If I'm oh, being yeah, honest, I, I think there no, was think like uh, they, they do to credit that. that. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He drank uh-huh. a lot more rye, but you just yeah. see guys like sipping brown liquid and like. Yeah. It's that show, and then the, the kind of inspired the whole cocktail. Yeah, the old, classic uh, cocktail uh, culture. The, what did he drink? Old fashions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then, and then all Louisville the bartenders did a great job kind of capitalizing yeah. on that. In my oh, opinion, yeah. Um, yeah. it's a message that started resonating, and you know we've got the whole like whiskey row downtown now, and then just like bourbon country and. The bourbon trail around town, you know, mm-hmm. shout out to them. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. It, it's just exciting to see how it's all going. And I, again, I don't think it would have happened if there weren't local people documenting it and telling the stories mm-hmm. and just like helping put a face to the products and vice versa. So it's, yeah. it's super cool. I mean, it wasn't hard work. You know, yeah, sure, I, sure. anytime I got to go to a distillery, you know, I was in. <laughs> Do you have any uh, standout <laughs> interviews or stories over the years? Um, or like maybe a, a point of just like, oh, wow, like this is actually a really big deal that I'm here. Yeah, I guess, you know, just seeing the, the people, all the people from out of town coming in, like going, you know, I go on some press trips here and there and um, Bourbon Classic, which is coming up. Um, they they always invite media, you know, from out, locally and out of state to kind of come in town and go to different distilleries. So I remember, you know, I've been on that media trip for years since they they're actually celebrating their 10th bourbon classic this, wow. this time. So I guess I've been on all 10. <laughs> I don't say no. I don't say no. What do you get? Like the uh, golden bourbon bottle or something like so. that? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the 10 year anniversary is. Yeah. Um, did you see beer? Was beer on your radar at all? Like craft beer, oh, yeah. or beer in general? Yeah. 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 Uh, I was a big, 
and I went to college in Ohio, Ohio okay. University. Did you so, see any parallels yeah. between the growth of like kind of, you know, more niche bourbon and it kind of developing its own identity and kind of how beer always has like the reputation and it's a lot of self-imposed like uh, whatever, but is the little brother of bourbon kind yeah. of around Louisville? You know, uh, every, every bourbon starts as a beer. So. That's true. Yeah. And I've met so many distillers, you know, and their story is always like, well, I was into home brewing or, you know, brewing. I was a brewer. And then they just take that one extra step of distillation. Um, and then they're hooked. Oh, you get drunker <laughs> so, faster. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. There's a Running ton more that still. goes into it than that. And the sour <laughs> mashing is, to me, one of the most fascinating parts. And yeah. sour beers are kind of seeing a resurgence yeah. and stuff. But the sour mashing is its whole unique mm -hmm. kind of sub culture or so i don't know how the terms that bourbon people use as yeah much, but like sub genre of bourbon <laughs> if you will i don't know yeah i mean it's a flavor profile that you just can't get yeah. mm -hmm. by any other method that's wildly practiced um but i i do think that bourbon goes and beer goes oh, really yeah. well with I, writing i always mm -hmm. write write drunk at it sober <laughs> yeah, do, do you subscribe to that at all <laughs> <laughs> what'd you say right drunk edit or? sober that's a that's yeah a, that's a yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah you know i come up with the ideas for things when i'm drinking but i can't i don't know if i could actually sit there and type them out yeah in, in <laughs> situ inspiration yeah, and then like you get the uh, ideas and then yeah. you're like okay well so be good you you have been doing this for a while and you mm -hmm. have been part of the the bourbon boom and i mean i don't know i mean you you it was suggested that you start a column to document the nightlife stories <laughs> right. and eventually would be just talk, covering spirits and beverages, cocktails. Do you, th like, what is the the state of beverage journalism as a class of journalism now? I imagine it's grown. Do you think it's oh, yeah. still growing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's tons of people out there. Um, I mean, luckily, there's a handful in Louisville, kind of like me, that we, we and we we're all good friends, actually, that we were all at the attending the same things and the same mm -hmm. conferences and now they're off writing for different magazines or hosting different websites and writing in, in or writing in the same magazine actually and there's so many too like there's yeah. so many publications uh that are out there that have their own loyal readership and, yeah yeah you gotta right. um kind of sort through like I, i'm thankful for my journalism background and you know trying to keep objectivity and um all that kind of stuff in perspective. I mean, there's some people that just, they have their own blog and, you know, that's fine too. And they just like, here's, I'm tasting this and I'm going to put the tasting notes up and, you know, that's fine too. It's just, you know, I guess I'm more focused on um, like profiles and the stories behind the brands. Um, although I, for alcohol professor, I do kind of rate the new releases and stuff. So. That's been another cool thing to just track. It's it kind of goes along with the growth of small businesses and niche kind of, you know, micro distilleries and craft mm -hmm. breweries. But a lot of media has kind of followed the same route. Like, you know, you talked about writing for Leo, kind of like a monolith might be too strong of a word to use for them. <laughs> but certainly in like the Louisville market, they were kind of a monolithic entity, especially back in early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, then Insider Louisville, which was kind of a startup franchise, mm -hmm. whatever, but they've since closed or yeah. sold or whatnot mm -hmm. and so now kind of moving on to just do producing stuff independently or working with smaller publications like food and dining so that's mm -hmm. just kind of an interesting parallel to me yeah that yeah bigger is not always better and that when do when things do start to the business model's not working anymore or things mm -hmm. just have to change it's often also an opportunity for innovation which is just yeah. it's cool to see that you've done that and a lot of the other Louisville beer writers you know find different yeah, mediums to do stuff and podcasts are now out mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm social media channels and stuff. So I don't know if that was just a, a thought that occurred to me that it's, it's a similar trajectory in all these things, which is probably why they're all good and getting better. <laughs> journalism these days. is dying. No. Yeah, well, it's changing, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's changing. just it's changing. changing. You have to dying. have a sub stack now or something. I don't know how yeah. all that stuff works. So, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know how you keep a, a job at a community newspaper anymore. It's you know, 100%. I, they're, just, they're cutting staff and or mandatory you know. or mandatory like furloughs yeah. like for a week or two. Yeah. Oh, it's my turn for a furlough. It's so sad. Right. Yeah. Ugh. It's awful. So I do like that you focus on the storytelling aspect because there there is a lot of people and especially in beer when you have like untapped. I'm are you familiar with mm -hmm. the, yes, yeah where yeah, you're just like yeah. uh two caps and <laughs> like this. yeah it is like oh uh, dark and it's like it's a stout like yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> well, like I, I think especially for bourbon where everyone can make this brown juice and what stands out is really kind of where it came from how it was produced the process and then mm -hmm. you know what they targeted 
it and uh we've done some uh panels with people about barrel culture and like production stuff and trying to understand how you really hone that in mm-hmm. um do you I mean, I think it has, but for my own ignorance, like over the years, distilling has gotten more technical mm-hmm. and it's been more focused on the technical aspect. So when John was asking earlier about like, when did you think the boom was or when do you think it rose? Do you think that coincided with uh, maybe distilleries taking a more technical calculated approach as to opposed to these are our recipes, we do this and we put it in a barrel and see what happens. Or maybe that's yeah. never been the case, but for me... I feel like I've seen more experimental type deals mm. come around. Um, I think it's a little mix. Uh, a lot of distilleries are auto- automating everything right now. Um, it's no longer one guy kind of looking, at, tasting the the mash and saying, this is good or this needs another day. <laughs> um, it's Everything's computerized, especially, I don't know if you've been to Bardstown Bourbon Company, but they'll show you the computers and it's, you know, it's crazy how many, you know, it'll tell you if something's going wrong. Or, yeah. Um, but then there's the distilleries that they, they still rely on the one guy to like do everything. So it's kind of it's that neat balance. But the thing with um, the bourbon tourism is the the tourists aren't just you don't just say this is how bourbon is made and that's it. And here's samples. Like people want to know like are, do, are is it sour mash or what do you you know they they're they're getting more technical too. So the st- distilleries have to kind of up their game tourism wise to show them more behind the scenes and um, you know let them blend or make their own blend or let them taste right out out of a barrel like two barrels side by side so they can see yeah, for exactly. themselves yeah oh what these taste completely different how can they how can that be so. yeah I, I think like as the advent of i'm a technology guy but as the advent of like google came around and like you go yeah. to your doctor and you basically have this idea like <laughs> i have, <laughs> I, have arthritis. I have this disease and they're like no you don't i feel like i feel like bourbon people can sometimes carry that same presumption of yeah. like Oh, uh, this is a uh, fresh mash, and uh, you've got thirty percent rye, and you're like, right. no, <laughs> you're like, no. You're like, right. no. But um, I, I do like I, it's one thing that's always fascinated with beers, treatments, and the barrels and mm-hmm. whatnot, and mm-hmm. the, the extent that some of these places are going to, uh, you know, time, temperature, humidity, mm-hmm. all these things that interact um, in, the, in the degree to which they're telling that story. And it, it gets more craft to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing about Bardstown Bourbon that I really love and appreciate is, A, their collaborative nature. Yeah. They, um, they work with other brands. They help other brands grow. Uh, and that's really cool. But then mm-hmm. you also see it even more. And if we're talking about like storytelling as like, hey, this is why you should care. And, you know, if this room had stories, you go into their whiskey library. Right. And you see right. all their old brands over the years that they've collected. And they're excited about it. Like mm-hmm. the people that show you that room are just like, it's not just Barstown Bourbon. It's, hey, this is like our culture yeah. as a whole, as, a, as an industry, as a community. Mm-hmm. And that's really special. And that's that's um, something that I think people don't really understand that are just getting into bourbon. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got to go in that room and sample a couple of things Ooh. a few times. <laughs> you, any, uh, anything stand out? Uh, the, the, what is it? The Old Crow chess piece. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I have heard stories. They, they still my heart. They have them at they have them at Fraser too. Uh, at the just in the, in, speakeasy. In the speakeasy yeah. room. And what was it? If you if you collected all the bottles and like showed proof, you would get a felt chest. <laughs> yeah, board. I've, cool. I've I seen think. those. That's a lot of that's a lot of bourbon. <laughs> so for anybody that's not familiar with this this room though, can you can you describe your experience in there? Yeah. Um it's it's just um it's just you sit at this table and it's just you're surrounded by bourbon behind glass, but there are, it's vintage bourbon, so it's just about every brand you can imagine from the 20s, 30s, 40s, wow. 50s. I guess not during Prohibition, but before and after Prohibition. Some of the bottles just have X's on <laughs> right. it. We don't, we don't, don't ask drink. questions. It's medicinal. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then these chess pieces uh, were kind of famous. They came came out by the Old Crow distillery that's um, no longer in production. But uh, they came out in the 60s when bourbon wasn't that big, or late 60s, um, and going into the 70s. And so that's why all those decanters kind of came out. They were just trying to like get people to oh they they'll want to collect this or Game, collect, that, or collect that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but they they were putting really good bourbon in those things because they couldn't give it away yeah. so <laughs> well well speaking of Bardstown bourbon I also have a I, I kind of recall that you were uh, somewhat recently in the last few years involved in a uh, tasting competition yeah can you go into a little bit about that 
Um, yeah, that's one of the, one of the times I got to go in that room. <laughs> um, I was uh, in one of the top ten uh, top whiskey tasters of the world, and they're that's what they call their competition. I don't believe that. You know, all right, all right. There's only ten people, and you were one of them. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but um, so no, I it was during the pandemic, and we you had to submit a video, so I did that, and I was selected to be one of the 400 people of Kentucky, and then. They whittled down that list and I had to compete with all these people um, kind of through Zoom at the time because it was 2020. Um, just in the Kentucky region, they had nine other regions across across the U.S. And um, so I won the Kentucky one. And so once we they got down to 10 people from across the country, they we all got to go to the distillery. That's awesome. And compete with um, all these different challenges, like kind of finding you know, blind tastes, like, is it a weeded recipe? Is it rye? Can you name the brand? You know. Wow, that's intimidating. <laughs> that kind of yeah. stuff. Wow. So I did not get number one. <laughs> I'll just say that. But that, that I mean, that's really <laughs> impressive. And, and I don't mean this is not towards you, but like you're not, you know, in production. You're mm -hmm. not in the industry of production. Like you you are very familiar with the product and the, and the brands yeah. through your own uh, work in, in media. Mm -hmm. And that's all self-taught. Yeah. Well, I mean, just years and years of going to hear master distillers speak and research. Yeah, yeah, yeah research. Research. lots of research. <laughs> Did you? What was that preparation like, though, during that competition? Uh, you know, I was. I knew that we had to taste some of their own products, so I scoured all the the places around Louisville trying to find a collaboration of uh, Bard Sunburn Company collaborations. They did one with Goodwood. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That was ended up being in the competition. So nice. I found, I went to Goodwood and tasted that. And I found some at Westport Whiskey and Wine. So I just wanted to taste everything just kind of, so I had a general idea of what it, what it tasted like. And just the more bourbons you taste and the more you, you increase your palate. Yeah. It's, it's simple. It's homework. Yeah. Homework. Yeah, homework. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? I'm homework. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and all of that has led uh, to your uh, current role with a company called CaskX as the director of whiskey. Can you uh -huh. go into that role in that company at large? Um, yeah, I'll keep it brief because I don't, sometimes I don't even understand it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, it was during the pandemic and um, I had been, uh, everyone kind of let, got let go at my previous job. And, um, they, I think they found me through that Bardstown Bourbon Company competition because cool. they, I had it on my LinkedIn page, and they were they were looking for someone based in Louisville who knew about bourbon, who kind of had relationships with distilleries, and um, so I just I, it's kind of like a consulting gig, um, but basically I help them. That's they're a whiskey investment company, so what they do, and they started in Scotland, and now they're in the U.S. But they, what they do is they buy new make bourbon from distilleries. And then they pay them to just age it for eight years and the insurance and just let it sit there. In the meantime, they get investors to, you know, buy like, oh, I'll buy 12 barrels at a time or 24, kind of in lots of 12. Um, and then the idea is it's like the stock market. Yeah, it's like futures or yeah, something kind of. Like you buy it low and then in eight years, you know, the, it, people are going to be wanting to buy it for a lot. Interesting. That's more awesome. More than what you bought it when it's zero years old. Wow. <laughs> So right, big, we're, uh, we're just two years into it. So we, obviously we haven't sold anything yet. Our, our bourbon's still being laid down, but it's, I'm just kind of. So somewhere there's like in. an Indiana Jones, like <laughs> vault of just like all this stuff yeah. you guys are sitting on, just <laughs> waiting for it to like pop yeah. off and then be like, oh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. We got loads <laughs> got of this, this stuff. This. That's awesome. That's super, super yeah. cool. And you, you guys are sourcing this from different places? Yeah, or, so yeah. so we're partnering with a couple of distilleries in Kentucky, like Kentucky Artisan, um, Jackson Purchase, which is a distillery in the western part of the state, and uh, MGP in Indiana. Sure. I just signed three in Tennessee. Wow. Oh, cool. So I was excited about that. And, and they, it, there's demand overseas? No, for the, or, it's mostly U.S. clients. Okay. Uh, right. Now, I think we can... People from other countries can buy, but we, I mean, when they sell their scotch, um, it is people from all over the world okay. that buy the scotch. We, they do it similarly in, in Scotland. They buy scot, scot, scotch casks. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bit of a scotch talk to us, right? but, but to be clear, like, this isn't just some person that's like, oh, uh, my, myself and my friends, we have a store pick with Liquor Barn. Like, it's, it's folks that are interested in starting their own brand? Yeah, well, mostly, I, w I think 90% of them will just sell. It's just investors. 
Um, oh, okay. Now they do have an interest in bourbon. Um, you have to be an accredited investor to even mm-hmm. um, participate. Oh wow, that's the government rule. I know. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't even. It's like buy you have to have a net worth of yeah. like a million or something like that to even get yeah, in the it's door. Not, like you have to make two hundred thousand a yeah. year, I think. Yeah, and then that's crazy. be yeah have net worth or something. Yeah. Um. So, I think they're most of them are just buying low to sell high, which I think that's I don't. Sure. Understand the That's what distillers are doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, but but some of them, I, I mean, I, so another part of the aspect of the job is the clients to get a free trip to Kentucky and I show them around um, to Kentucky Artisan, who we work with. And then I just take them to Bardstown, let them go wild. <laughs> and, um, but I, some of them have expressed interest, like, oh, maybe I'll sell 11 of them and bottle one barrel, you know, oh. like they, they're, they're all huge bourbon fans. And um, so, you know, it's fun to see. So they're just they're just making a bet that on in eight to yeah. ten years. Yeah. Now that you're taking a risk because, you know, what if the bubble bursts or mm-hmm. you know, as people say, is, I don't think that's going to happen. But um, but you still, are, you know, yeah. it's, it's the stock market. Like you, yeah. you are taking a risk. Is this a one size fits all, or are they kind of building a profile between flavors that they like? Um. So. Each of our, you know, distilleries, a lot of people will buy, like, I want 12 from this distillery, 12 from that distillery, you know, 12 Tennessee whiskeys and 12 bourbons and 12 MGPs, you know. But some people will buy year after year, like, because they want different ages. of. Okay. So they have their own portfolio. Must be nice. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like, share the wealth. We need to get that accreditation. (laughs) All right. The three of us, we can do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't know. We might need Sarah, too. Yeah. I'm doing all this legwork, and I can't even afford it. We get a free trip to Kentucky, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Can you show us around, please? Or Tennessee. (laughs) We're starting those in April. Let's go to Chattanooga. Heck, yeah. When I hear banjos, I turn around, so. Yeah. (laughs) I turn around and start dancing, personally, but that's just me. Um, well, to that point, we we usually ask our guests to participate in a in a forced show and tell segment. Oh yeah. Um, we t- uh, we told you the rules of the game before yes. we get started. So, okay. what is uh what's the first thing that you'd like to do? You want the, to present? the drink or non drink? Let's do the drink. Okay. It's always one thing you love that is beer or beverage related, and then one thing. Oh that no! Is- Hell oh yeah! Oh my gosh! So Hell this, yeah! My friend brought this back from Japan. Wow. This this was before they came out with Zima. Ladies the and gentlemen, she time. is holding a bottle of Zima. <laughs> but it's in it's in Japanese. Yeah, hell, what, Japanese label. Zima. Oh, ja- which is where great. it was. Uh, We've been originated. Iced. Oh, really? I remember I the old school commercials. Um, people just dancing and like in the streets of New York, <laughs> or maybe it was Tokyo, just like drinking Zima and like grilling in garbage cans and stuff. Oh man, I haven't had a Zima in a long time. Well, but- they came back out with it like. Two, yeah, two years yeah, yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. two or three years. No, probably four years ago. I just throw it out there. This this was made before I was. Born. Have you ever had a Zima, uh. David Satterly? <laughs> no. Even uh. even oh when it gosh. even when it came back out, like no, when it three years, years ago, or yeah, when was that? Five yeah. years ago. Yeah, I'm older than five. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but have you had it though? Oh no, no, I have no idea what this is. So I think they did something to it when they came back out with it because it wasn't as good. I mean, I this is what I drank in college. The, origi- uh, the original, the original yeah. OG. I I was told. That you put Skittles in this? No, Jolly Ranchers. Okay. Mm. Do you have those? <laughs> no, I, I'm actually not going to open it. <laughs> That's know. okay. It's show and tell, not fun. show and taste. The, uh, it's, I just keep it on my shelf now. Um, but I'm sure the carbonation is long gone. Yeah. I don't think you would want it. You're not missing out on that yeah. much. It's not fizzing. Yeah. No. <laughs> How do you, would you describe the taste of Zima? I mean, this. these are in the days before White Claw. And- yeah. It's a light, so, fizzy drink. It's like it was like Sprite, lemon lime. Yeah, it's I was like because but it's even, malt liquor. But even the cap on it has like a pull tie. I do like well, that. that's I think that's the Japanese thing. Okay, but back in the in the nineties, it was twist. So twist this off. is OG Zima. Well, it was like it was after. Zima had left the U.S. Okay, so I'm guessing I'm just like trying to find like an age two thousand. Like, Best Buy oh. statement. Oh, well, okay. So, uh, no, I don't know. They're just code numbers. I don't Best know. Best Buy. Yeah. I think you might need Japanese uh, translation to get yeah, the uh, <laughs> the data out of it. That's that's, that's incredible. Well, to that end of that point, you, like I've I've been in your basement. That sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's down there? <laughs> but I mean, if if you were to walk into her basement, you would be like, 
what where am I right now? Because <laughs> like you you have a little like museum display of POS down there. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. What like what are some of the items that point people, of sale? Yeah. I not, didn't know what that point, meant. Point, point of sale, not not piece of shit. Point of sale. <laughs> point like, of sale what? items like yeah. uh, the what is it the just like the merch that you the in cap display. Oh, you have a coffin. Oh, like, you have a coffin. Uh, right, yeah. right. Neon yeah, signs, tin tackers, <laughs> all that kind of fun like beer swag or beer whiskey associated yeah. swag, and all the all the bottles throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I have. Um, I just have a lot of bottles because I do open them. Like people are like, why Good. don't you open it? Good. Yeah, totally. But I have so many open. This is filled with water, and you recapped it. Is that but what I'm you're not going to open more yeah. if I already have so many open. I have a friend from California that stayed at my house once. She could probably open some <laughs> no. stuff for you. Yeah. <laughs> Keep her away. <laughs> She'll go after my Blantons. <laughs> so, what do you think happened to Zima? And like, so Zima died right when the craft two, beer trend was starting to take off. I went to college like '95 to '99. And it was huge. Yeah. But then it like by the time I got out, I, I don't think it was anywhere. So. But that, to me, that's when like beer started kind of coming up. Yeah. Like Sierra Nevada yeah, and Sam yeah, Adams. Yeah, yeah. And so then craft Maybe beer kind of yeah. was getting market share and tapering down. So this is kind of like the hair band. Yeah, yeah, right. In, in that's a great Nevada, analogy, Nirvana. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got rid of And then like what's what is craft beer if it was a band? Did Courtney Love kill Zima? Oh. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no. Yes. But no. what I mean, what I'm more confused by then, though, is that the return of Zima mm -hmm. was in 2016, yeah. 2017. And that was right before Seltzer's really took I was off. Say, so yeah. like, why yeah. that didn't it stay, stick around? It was nasty. And I, I think they only purposely did it for like one summer. Because everybody likes why. the retro kind of throwback yeah. vibes or whatever. I don't remember. But who, then they tasted who, it. Who it was... owns it now? If it's Japanese, it, was it could be like curious. No, something. it was like Molson. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I was going to say maybe Coors. So. I don't know. Well, that I, I did not expect you yeah, to, to pull out some Zima. Zima. Yeah, that, was uh, good. that was that was surprising. But I, I do have some tin, old tin signs of Zima from the old Phoenix Hill Tavern. Were you were you a, a frequent uh, <laughs> yes. guest at Phoenix Hill Tavern? Yes. Yeah. Do, do you have any of the uh, before they tore it down? I know that they were like auctioning things off. Yeah, that's how oh, I nice. got the Zima. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> we talk a lot about signs. like trend inside of the industry, and we we kind of just talked about the birth and decline of like Zima and stuff, mm -hmm. and then craft beer ebbed. And it's hard to say that craft beer is dead unless no. you're Sam Cruz, but it definitely mm -hmm. seems like other products are coming more into market prominence. Like mm -hmm. I think we read recently that. Bourbon and spirits obviously just crushed craft beer in the latest quarter. Mm. And I think uh, like hard seltzer is still retail, just yeah. absolutely dominating the market. Yeah. Do you have any insights on just when and why styles change or maybe even better, just what you anything you see coming up right now that's like surprising or interesting that, um, that the kids to, haven't caught on to yet? Yeah, I have to keep up on the, the figures of whiskey, American whiskey in particular. Um, and I know that this year we just surpassed vodka, but tequila is still mm -hmm. number one, unfortunately. People keep so. saying that, that that's going to continue to grow too. All those like agave spirits or whatever yeah. just seem to be gaining popularity as well. I don't Why? know what that's about. I don't know. <laughs> What's the madman of tequila? Is there like a show where people are just like partying? There's not. It's um, like I, George Clooney's tequila, right? Oh yeah, that was a big. Okay, one. so uh, I don't like celebrity tequila. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it, yeah, it I don't like celebrity anything. It, to me, it makes no sense. Um, mm -mm. I think it was Michael that finally told me one day that like all of the tequilas made out of like what the six, seven major facilities, <laughs> um, which you could you could lend that to like MGP on a parallel. Um, mezcal really blows my mind, um, but I don't think people like it, so mm -hmm. I'll just stick to bourbon. Yeah. Uh, it's got way more variety too. Yeah. Well, you uh, you're about to experience a uh, a different type of whiskey. I hear uh, sources yes. tell me that. Has everybody done? Oh, besides me. Oh no! Take your time. Um, well, she's oh, well, professional. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were both segueing into something else, but we can se <laughs> let's let's segue out. into this though. I like that. Hey, we'll see that Peerless like warmed up nicely as it <laughs> yeah. breathed in the glass yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. So I brought a bottle that I just got. Um, um, I'm on. I get some samples sometimes uh, so that I can review them. And this is uh, the uh, just just out this month. I don't even think it hits stores yet. But Heaven Hill just released the uh, the Bernheim wheat whiskey. Oh, but at a barrel strength. Oh, barrel proof. Heck yeah. So they have you know the regular Bernheim you could probably found in stores, but this one is one eighteen point eight proof. So this is a wheat whiskey 
meaning it's uh, at least 51% wheat. I think the mash bill on this, it was like 51 wheat, 37 corn, and 12 malted barley. It checks out. Yeah. The math checks out. <laughs> sure. I'm not good at math. <laughs> Same here, especially after a couple of those. <laughs> but so I wanted to bring this here to, to see what you all think. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. What's the story behind the uh, Bernheim brand? Do they do like a special uh, working together? Um, or is so it Bernheim just, uh... is named after the their Bernheim distillery in, in Louisville, actually. Okay. So since their fire in the 90s, um, they, they bought this huge facility kind of near where Brown Foreman is, um, kind of downtown-ish slash the west part, western part of downtown. And so every drop of Heaven Hill is made here in Louisville. And then it's carted really? out to Bardstown to age. Huh, interesting. Okay. Since the fire, since the late 90s. Like so my, my, my great-grandparents rather lived in Bardstown. Ah. My uncle worked at the facility yeah. as it was burning down. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, yeah. No. yeah, he he was fine. But yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was the bourbon. But I actually, I had no idea that Heaven Hill was made here yeah. in Louisville and in, in, put to Bardstown. Yeah, you wouldn't know that going and there. They make a lot of booze in that facility. It's I just filled crazy. my glass first. Oh, you're good, you're good. <laughs> Oops. Uh, this will be my first Bernheim ever. Same here. I've, same here. Yeah, it's not any. one that I would drink regularly. Just, I just, it's not ever on my radar. But you had me at barrel proof. Yeah. Oh, it like smells that. really good. And I feel like wheat in general, like between weeded whiskey, weeded whiskeys, and weeded bourbons, people are into wheat maybe more. Is mm -hmm. that your? Um, that's something you're noticing. I, I mean, I think it's half and half. I mean, you can say that the. You know, Pappy's weeded bourbon, obviously, and Weller mm -hmm. and Maker's Mark and Larceny. I really like so, weeded things. They yeah. just have that smooth kind of creaminess mm -hmm. to it that you don't get with just, you know, more barley or more corn or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like... Um, it's not as sharp as a rye or like exactly. a high corn. Yeah. yeah. It kind of gives that like pungent, like you smell it and you're like, okay, mm -hmm. I need so, air. <laughs> so I'll, I'll read this real fast. That drink's <laughs> super smooth for the high proof too. Oh, girl. Dang. Bernheim Original Wheat <laughs> Whiskey uses soft winter wheat as the main grain in its recipe and represents Ooh. the first truly new American whiskey style to be introduced mm. since Prohibition. The newest expression, Bernheim Barrel Proof, is made from barrels of wheat whiskey aged from seven to nine years that are mingled together and bottled uncut Ooh. without chill filtration. Ooh. I'm not mad at that at all. That's that's really nice. That's yeah, really special. Yeah. It's pleasant. No. Makes your lips tingle. <laughs> I could I could straight from the barrels, seven to nine year blend. Yeah, wheat. And again, something I've never had. So that's super cool and a good connection Sweet. to make. But that's the way to learn. People ask, you know, in beer all the time, uh, mm -hmm. like, you know, you see all these different ingredients and different hops and different mm -hmm. yeast strains in the beer world that translates into bourbon, you know, in, in different ways with the mash profiles and like we're saying sour mashing and then just the different processes of each place. Mm -hmm. But kind of like you were alluding to, if you're bourbon curious, the best way to kind of get your head around it is just to find a few writers that you like or find a few people that talk about new stuff coming out, follow mm -hmm. them and just try to hunt down some of the places that are making things that sound super interesting and just be mindful while you drink it. Take some yeah. notes if you're that kind of a nerdy person or like apps can be useful for that. Just kind of tracking what you like, tracking what you don't necessarily like and mm -hmm. then just kind of starting to connect those dots. If you find something you really like, um, a lot of these places too, I think they're a little more tight-lipped than some of the like breweries are although a lot of breweries are tight-lipped on their recipes too which is silly mm -hmm. but you can usually kind of trace down you know the rough proportions of the mash yeah, profile yeah. or just learn about the distillery or even better to go take a tour and you'll learn everything mm -hmm. but as much as they want to tell you as much as they want to tell you <laughs> that's yeah, true, yeah, yeah. That's true. but no just that going back to your point like being mindful while you drink things like that and just that's that's really the way to enjoy it the most in mm -hmm. my in my opinion yeah one thing about a barrel proof is it always to me at least kind of like coats your tongue mm -hmm. kind of like shocks it do you mm -hmm. the, your personal preference do you prefer like a higher proof or a lower i do i prefer i mean i want it to taste right how it tastes right mm -hmm. out of the barrel mm -hmm. like i don't want watered down anything one like anything 100 or above is kind of my in my wheelhouse okay yeah i steer that way too um one of my least favorite brands is basil hayden because oh, it's gosh. just it's just too low that, and i'm like yeah. i don't it doesn't i don't get it it's not bourbon like, yeah it is but to me it tastes it's just like water yeah, it's down. like the like, it's the lowest you can go like, to legally be a bourbon in 80 proof now yeah. i mean oh, they interesting they they do that because i mean they they're going after a different demographic and it's a good gateway bourbon um being that low it doesn't 
have as as much burn and so people can kind of get into it um i do and then go from there i do like they're toasted and yeah, I, and i do yeah. like their um red wine cast yeah. finish i had that one yeah it was much better i don't mind their dark good. rye actually it's, i I, like I've been meaning to try cookies. that. Uh, Monic, right up the road mm-hmm. in Schnitzelberg, they, uh, I think they have that, and they recommend doing an old-fashioned with the basil aid and dark okay. rye. I can yeah. see that being pretty darn good. Yeah. Do you have, uh, you know, two or three different more approachable bourbons that you would kind of just lean yeah. into and say, you know, if you're bourbon curious? For listeners, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. stuff that's not just your basic Buffalo Trace, but is... Mm-hmm. Interesting to I you. I mean, I started my journey with Maker's Mark, and I think a lot of people do. It's it's sweet. It's a weeded bourbon, and mm-hmm. it's... not that Buffalo Trace is basic. I love Buffalo <laughs> Trace. Yeah, uh, no. it's, it's, it's not basic. Just... You can't find it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. It's delicious. Just to um, say that, put that out there. Sorry, but no, I I mean my everyday. Not I don't I don't drink every day, but um, you're, among, mean, you're uh, among friends. Yeah, <laughs> Old Forester, the 100 proof. Yes, mm-hmm. it's only yep. a couple bucks more than the 86, yes. but it's worth those couple bucks it's like, a lot more flavor yeah and I, more. I finally heard uh from somebody at this distillery they pick the barrels differently so it's not like they add they take all these barrels and just add more water or don't add enough they they're they're all different flavor profiles so they pick them differently so hmm. i mean i um, get a lot more flavor from the 100 than the 86 tend to stick to 100 proof too um old granddad bottle and bottle oh, yeah. always yeah. comes to yeah. mind um, old foe hundred orange label. Yep, <laughs> that one always does the trick. You can still get a big handle at Costco. Don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want you, twenty bucks? We we go in Costco soon. <laughs> yeah, okay. let's go to Costco. That, I'm basic bourbon. I I have to admit it. I don't do like what you guys do. If I'm getting bourbon at home, I usually buy like Buffalo Trace, yeah, or like the uh, Bullet Bourbon, or like Old Forester is one that I, I buy a lot mm-hmm. and enjoy, but. I don't know. It's fun to like. I think the only reason is because I never really delved into kind of the the backstories of it as much as I have with beer. But there's yeah. so much there mm. that's so oh, interesting. Yeah. Honorable mention to uh, Evan Williams Black mm-hmm. Label. Okay. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's an incredibly affordable, yeah, approachable bourbon. And there's not to jump on the Brown Foreman bag bandwagon, but uh, Cooper's Craft, the premium one. Never had that. It's like, <clears throat> and it's only thirty bucks. Really. It's, there's the radio, I can't re- remember what they call it, select or premium or something, but it's the way they, they put these grooves in the barrels that are different. Sure. And I think they age it a little bit more than Cooper's Craft. I'm excited for Brown Foreman to get into the rum game. Oh yeah. yeah I saw that. Yeah. Very cool. Those light spirits. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're seeing they like score the barrels on the yeah, inside? Yeah. So they, they, um, they take a barrel and then they, it's kind of like they put grooves in it. Just to increase the surface area yeah. and change the way the liquid goes in and out, and I they, guess. They originally did that with the Jack Daniels Sinatra. Yes. And so they, because they own their own cooperage, they could experiment however they want. So they're like, oh, let's do that because they own Jack Daniels, obviously. So they're like, let's use that same type of barrel with Cooper's Craft. And so. We shouldn't spill the beans, <laughs> but any uh, craft breweries listening, groove your barrels. Yeah. <laughs> Might be something to do with your stouts. <laughs> yeah. Groove those barrels, baby. Ooh. I think you just want them wet, mostly. <laughs> wet and groovy. Wet and groovy. Yeah. yeah. And we're going back to a time where I didn't exist. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any thoughts on the future sustainability of barrels as a whole? Um. So, yeah. So, working with Caskex and asking distilleries for their bourbon... The biggest obstacle I've got we've gotten so far is you know we can't get any barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was down in Tennessee the other a couple I guess last year, and even at Jack Daniels, they're even though they own their own cooperage, they're worried. It's because it's not it's not an oak issue. It's the supply chain. It's like we can't we don't have enough people to go into the forest to cut down the oaks mm-hmm. to to hard, you know chop them up and. Yeah. So all those people are, you know, like, I mean, I think that stuff's working its way out and people are going ver- back to work. And it, it, It's not necessarily as automated as a lot of other things, too. Cooper just still right. pretty hands on, if right. I understand it correctly. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 You can machine a lot of those parts and have them through yeah. an assembly but you, line. But at the end of the day, a person pretty much is involved 
mm-hmm. in each barrel. You know, a person has to put the rings yeah, on the right. barrel. Yeah. But, yeah. but even beyond that, it's just like you said, I mean, it's going into the forest and it's like the mm-hmm. chopping yeah. the tree and down the, like the George trucks. Washington, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he did not chop down. Oh, no, he did. And then he, he did. Didn't he, lie. Yeah, he told a lie. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, and honestly, that's something I've never even considered because like working uh, with different brands over the years, we've talked about, you know, different like white oak, you know, issues and sustainability mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. But until right now, I've never really considered the idea of just like, oh, the labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the truck driver, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. driving the wood. And I, mean, I think Cooper's are expanding as much as they can and getting more workers and stuff. It's, you know, it's the getting the wood out of the forest. Because because they're they're planting they're replanting mm-hmm. things as quickly as they come yeah, I mean, down. I mean, you mentioned Maker's Market, like that, the, the White Oak Initiative. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they are working and working and working on sustainability, but yeah, they only do so much. And most of the Cooperages, you know, also have that same program where they, whatever they cut down, they plant. You know, X but the reason all those woods work so well is because those are slower growing trees, which mm-hmm. just makes the wood more dense and more filled with sugars and tannins and those mm-hmm. different. Words that end with "een" that I can never pronounce, like flavorings <laughs> and blah blah blah. But yeah, it takes time to grow a good tree to make a good, mm-hmm. you know, American white oak barrel out of or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm picturing a really 60. good like bourbon commercial in my head right now. Like, <laughs> it's a super, it's a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, yeah. 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 A guy's cutting down a tree. He's making a barrel. He's doing some moonshine in the woods. He's filling it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo Trace, get in touch with us. You can. I will talk. <laughs> I I ask just for the preliminary of you know it has to be a fresh white oak mm. American barrel. So like mm. you know you have to have that supply, and um, it's been discussed a little bit about like different techniques to kind of like maybe like shaving down the char and recharring and things like that just to build that sustainability in. But um, mm-hmm. I think these a lot of people don't understand like these barrels go through hell. Like they are <laughs> yeah. pushed and muled around and rolled down a you know conduit for a while and then yeah. sat in a warehouse for years and uh, you know by the time they get to beer sometimes they're they're leaky they got oh, holes the, the the you know the, the heads of them leak depending on which side you put it on yeah. so it's uh it's a lot of work like you said even after the fact just to maintain that structure as a yeah. vessel um yeah and then yeah. and then distilleries will get it back from the breweries for mm-hmm. a cask finished product yeah. yeah yeah um uh so sources tell me that you are going to Ireland pretty soon. Yeah. Are you excited to try some <laughs> Irish whiskey? I am. I am. I've uh, been one time before, but, but it was before I really was into whiskey. So, so what what are you what are you looking forward to in that trip beverage and maybe food wise as well? Um Or is it just like we're not doing we're not even worrying about <laughs> no, this? No, I'd like to go this. to some distilleries. Um so I haven't reached out to her yet, but uh, a friend of mine just started a job at Pierce Lyons and he owns a distillery in in Dublin somewhere. So I, I'm trying to, I want to connect with her and see if I could check that distillery out. <clears throat> of course, Jameson is in Dublin. Oh yeah. Um, I, I'm, I probably could get into the Brown Foreman. Um, what is that? Slane. Yep. Um, but it's about, so we don't have a car, not neither. I'm going with two friends of mine and nobody wants to drive on the other side of the road. Uh. <laughs> so we're going to travel by train. <laughs> Hell yeah, that'll be fun. So I can't just like, oh, it's you know, it's forty five minutes away, but yeah. like, how do I get there? That's an expensive so Uber. I... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and by the way, I'm going to be wasted in an hour, so can you uh, also yeah, come take me? Just yeah. wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, so. I know COVID changed everything, so this might not be the case anymore. But I remember my my dad went to the Jameson Distillery, and mm-hmm. at the end, you know, they do the tasting, mm-hmm. and apparently, at their tasting is that's when they put. James in front of you, but they also put things like, okay, here's Jack Daniels, here's oh. some, here's some other products, here's competition. Yeah. So like, cool. this is how smooth our mm-hmm. Irish whiskey is. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah. Please report back if yeah, that's been your experience too, because that'd be interesting. Me being a noob, how would you all describe the differences between you know American, well, let's say like Tennessee whiskey, Kentucky bourbon, and like Irish whiskey? Are there mm. big? If you had to just like define those differences in like three or four words. Is it just process? Is it taste? Well, is it marketing? Um, so, I mean, it's kind of common knowledge. Like Tennessee whiskey is bourbon. Yeah. So made in Tennessee. Yeah. So fake, fake <laughs> bourbon is so what I, I like to call I mean, it. there it's it's debatable, but I'm on the side that it's bourbon. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, they they can have their own category. That I mean, they that's fine. Um, but 
It is bourbon. <laughs> There's one tiny step they do different, but it doesn't add anything. It just takes away. Charcoal. Yeah, charcoal gotcha. mellowing. So in the according to the rules, as long as you don't add something. How about Irish whiskey? What's so the Irish main uh, difference that's there? A so monster. yeah, so that's yeah. a um, they use different grains. Um, most I want to say mostly malted barley. I mean that Scot Scotland mostly just uses malted barley, but they do use rye and, and other things. So, um, but it's they uh, they don't use new barrels. So they, we send all of our used barrels over there. And then I, I know I think Irish whiskey blends a lot. They 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 take different blends of. I don't whiskey. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I imagine I they source really... most of their grain from the native, like from yeah. the aisles or whatever. Mm. And beer making, oh, everybody, yeah. we can't get it hardly right now. Everybody wants the Maris Otter malt, mm. uh, which is like the real nice, like North Country British malt. It's just a lot more robust and mm. like uh, full bodied and a grainy in a good way, not a husky way than American two row. Yeah. So maybe that's a difference too. That'd be super interesting to explore the history and culture around all that stuff. Yeah. And I do think, I think, I think Irish whiskey is a lot smoother, I mm -hmm. think, than than bourbon. Um, so you know, the climate over there, off you have to take that into account. That bourbon's not going in and out of the barrel, and plus, it's a used barrel or whiskey. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to learning more about that. So Tennessee whiskey versus <laughs> bourbon, marketing BS, and uh, <laughs> yes. debate for nerds. Irish whiskey and American whiskey or bourbon cultural differences and then I mean, pro process differences yeah, yeah. oh yeah wait, definitely different sure. well yeah. just in terms of like the barrels and <laughs> yeah. the reusing and the mm -hmm. sourcing of ingredients it's all perhaps. about the dialect uh, you know, irish but. whiskey boy <laughs> I, i'll put you straight well, i don't right. i don't think they're using corn in ireland right yeah exactly right. exactly you're right they don't use we did just do uh yesterday actually we brewed a collab with noble funk um mm, brewing out of louisville uh they have an excellent facility down in the sobro neighborhood in south broadway um, and we did an Irish red hmm. uh, with a touch of rye in it. So uh, it's oh, going to wow. be a little flair on an Irish red recipe. Um, the first runnings of it were about as dark as this bourbon. And wow. then by the end of the it day, got a lot lighter. it got a lot lighter. So <laughs> I'm excited to see how that comes out. It sounds good. Uh, but we used, you know, some of the caramel malts, a little bit of crystal, a very little bit of crystal, and uh, a little touch of rye there. So. That'll be coming out around St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Uh, do a little debut with Molly Malone's. Um, have a good time, you know. Put that out. It's it's fun because I I know like bourbon people go and do like single barrel picks, and like sometimes we just get to collaborate with breweries and make our own beer. So mm -hmm. that is pretty exciting for us. Yeah, that's how we do that. But yeah, we we will have a, a release party prior to the St. Patrick's Day parade in Louisville uh, at Molly Malone's on. Thursday, March 9th. So two days before the St. Patrick's Day festivities on the 11th. Uh, that's going to be really fun for everybody involved. Noble Funk uh, was really excited for the idea. Molly Malone's is going to be like they, they have just been so excited for the idea to have a, you know, have a local brewery do a special release for them. So it's going to be fun. Uh, and then, you know, if you're hanging out, if you're in Louisville and you go to the St. Patrick's Day festivities, and you happen to stumble into Molly Malone's. Try that. Beer yeah. of ours, please. Uh, I would say, too, like a lot of people have uh, associations with Irish Red with like the big Irish Red, which the one we get frequently around here is Killian's. Killian's is not really. I mean, it is an Irish Red because they call it that. And it's kind of an American invention anyway. But uh, yeah, come try like a locally made, carefully sourced it, it's going to be the night and day difference than killing and you know it was made with love yeah <laughs> david and i were there it was of course yes. made with love i put a lot of my own Lots love, of love. love okay well i don't want it i don't want anymore yikes but yeah be on the lookout for that march 9th uh stay tuned for all those details on times um uh sarah thanks so much for your time yeah, today thank but, you but before we wrap mm -hmm. up what is your your second non-beverage oh, show and tell yeah i didn't think i thought we were going to skip that no 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 Darn it. Darn. <laughs> well, this this might be older than some of you. Definitely. Is it that reusable bag for the? <laughs> no. Where is that from? So I I don't don't ask. But this is um, Debbie Gibson's Electric Youth perfume. Ooh, baby! Wow. I loved when I was about. I think my 13. hair is curling just like smelling it. <laughs> so it, I smell. I mean, I haven't used it since junior high, but. Um, yeah, it just it it smells like my teenage years. Hell yeah! Okay, awkwardness and desperation and <laughs> <laughs> embraces. 
So, at, at any point, have you thought about throwing that out over the years? And, no. and you were just like, no, I no, would never. Keep it at this no point. way. Yeah. Does, no, can I, I, can I, I smell the yeah. bottle without opening it? You can open it. I mean, you can even oh, spray it. I'm getting it. enough uh, through the, through yeah, the uh, I wouldn't, glass. You know, it's kind of nice. I went to an 80s party and I sprayed it once. Like, John, you don't have to make out and with I, it. It's, I, I got everybody sick. I feel sick. like I do all of a sudden. Like everyone got like nauseous, yeah. sick. You know, like someone. <laughs> yep, that is so. that's perfume. <laughs> yeah, Elect- I mean, I it smells I like electric. I want to say from '88. Hell yeah, I want to say this that's when history. her album came out. History. Oh wait, you went Debbie to you, you went to the show uh, here like what three three years when ago? Was it? Two years ago? Three, it was you were there? Yeah, I, I can't remember. It was recent. Are you sure you was didn't just here? like fill this with bourbon? <laughs> brown. <laughs> no. What I'm, the uh, uh, podcast listeners won't see either is that what do you call that thing? The dabber, the thing that you. No, that's just so it, her her album was called Electric Youth, so they put that. Yeah, it looked like electric. I was going to say it's but not it, just it's like actually a, a sprayer. It's, oh, okay. So gotcha, it doesn't gotcha, do gotcha. anything. Well, yeah. anyway, for the for the listeners, it's like got a neon uh, curly cue around it. Very very eighties vibes. Yeah, c- cologne spritz. Uh, no, I I, I remember um, our our mutual friend and my old boss. Courtney. Oh, Tiffany. You're Tiffany, thinking, I'm Tiffany. thinking of Tiffany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did go see her at Headliners. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. About three or four years ago. Yeah, well, that may be a completely different. So there, no, they but... were um, rivals back in the day. Oh. And so I was a W. Did Tiffany fan. have a, a perfume line? No, she just kind of played in malls. <laughs> That's <laughs> so awesome. I I didn't like her then because she kind of sang a lot of covers. I'm like, write your own songs, girl. <laughs> but I I met them both through the years, and Tiffany a little bit nicer. So you, you brought us a SEMA, and then you yeah. got us the. I'm, I'm getting yeah, like. I had to look at. I don't know. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. Debbie Ginson's a hottie. I'm right, I'm right. Come on. 80s, 80s, like uh, 80s vibes are strong. Is all she I'm going like to say. She's like the 80s Britney Spears. Yeah. There you go. All right. Except probably, arguably better. She wrote her own songs. Yeah. Oh, good. There you go. Uh, I think but Britney, Tiffany did not. I think Britney's dad wrote her songs or something. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leave Britney alone. <laughs> Leave Britney alone. Well, apparently I have to. We all have to go listen to some Debbie Gibson yeah. uh, tonight. Uh, but before we do, uh, do you have anything upcoming that you'd like to plug or yeah. give a shout out to? Um, no. <laughs> uh, just barbellloo.com yeah. is my website, and that's it. You can find me at the back door on Thursdays at five. Hell yeah, okay. that's, a, that's a great shout out. <laughs> See you there. Yeah. S- standing meeting. <laughs> but you, you are a great resource, and you know, Barbell, say the website one more time. Barbell Lou, yeah. like L-O-U. If you guys are, intri- if you're bourbon curious and you want to find ways that you're a great resource for people to just kind of get, you know, you could say like an inside scoop or just somebody who understands the culture and the lingo, who tells the stories in a fun way with a lot of like uh, the 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 post, the pre-punk rock, late 80s <laughs> hair band metal yes. energy that you so uniquely bring to the table in well, your writing. You. So yeah, it's a great, great follow. I'll take it. John, what do you got to plug? Uh, nothing. I'm going to Charleston, South Carolina tomorrow. Oh. Um, I fr- I've opened this store, as we said, about seven years ago, and I've not taken a vacation in those seven years. Uh, so uh, tomorrow morning about 5 a.m. Wow. We're getting on the road. Uh, Fatty Lumpkin, my 2002 uh, busted at Toyota Tacoma, staying here. I rented a Tesla uh, 2022 uh, Model Y, I think. We're going to take the dogs for some stupid reason. Frankie's <laughs> over there, very gloating at the Can moment. you rent that at the, at the yeah, we got it. Yeah, we were down at Hertz wow. at the airport this morning. I picked it up. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys an over area. Uh, we'll get like a review for, on the podcast. I went from a shitty toyota tacoma to a 2022 tesla and this is what happened <laughs> yeah uh next week uh but yeah i'm really excited for that so um it'll be too late by the time you guys hear this but maybe i'll have some good brewery reports and i'll bring back some good beer for us to try as well yeah so shout out to charleston and teslas and my tacoma with i'm not going to forget about you david what do you got uh, I'm going to shout out roller skating. Um, mm. If there's ever an opportunity <laughs> to pick up a new hobby when you're 25 plus, I would I would suggest roller skating. And no longer limber. Yeah, when you know if if you no longer care about the bones in your body and are willing to break all of them, go roller skating. Champs, especially yeah, especially a champs oh, really? on adult I, skate night. I've been there um, at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. Actually, shout out champs, uh, their main Woo. sponsor of CT scans that I'm getting tomorrow <laughs> for my elbow oh, that no. I broke at champs. So Do you want to tell the sob story? You might get another bottle of bourbon sent in from the Patreon. No, no right, we're well. good. That was, yeah. I was I there. Think enough, not, enough has been implied. I was there. There's no sad story. I just saw him holding his arm like yeah. ah. 
the ground's a lot farther away than it was when we were 10 and yeah. it's a lot much, harder it's much harder yeah, yeah. matter has assimilated bendy. into a tighter structure yeah it's and, that uh it's the expansion of the universe it's, yeah. no it's a contraction right exactly like it's, it's all more dense now yeah including me yeah mm. <laughs> drink more bourbon exactly right. okay so okay, uh, yeah. before before we leave <laughs> i i went into this stone sober and i'm definitely confident if i had three beers i would have tuck and rolled so <laughs> yeah they do say that in like car acts actually let's not even go there let's, <laughs> let's not, not go there not, but it does like uh, relax you a little bit yeah you there would have been up as much half a little second for the fight or flight kicked in i just slammed my le- arm on the ground so yeah yeah because yeah, you're trying to protect yourself but had you just like been loose enough to if not i care, just wrecked right, myself like, instead yeah. of protecting myself I mean, well thoughts and prayers yeah Season well, the, the best um mexican restaurant in louisville is over right next to champs el mariachi el mariachi oh, yeah, yeah you know you know out. yeah el mariachi is great <laughs> so I, I recommend just the the street tacos yeah what do you got for us, yeah, more? Uh, uh Nothing this week. Just uh, we we're new to the YouTube game. Uh, we're we're posting these videos and uh, shorts on YouTube. Uh, check that out. Uh, Louisville Ale Trail. Subscribe, rate, listen, share. That goes a long way. Share. Uh, we also have a newsletter, so uh, subscribe to that newsletter and um, listen to uh, read what we have to say monthly. Just just once a month. That's all. Just give us a click and make me feel good when I look at the analytics. So. <laughs> That's we're all we're doing all this research for you guys. We want you to reap the full benefit. Yeah, we're of doing, all, we're doing our, all this uh, homework. Research. Yeah, homework. Yeah. yeah, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are awesome. See you guys next week.